This is Jeff Steitzer, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Double kill, triple kill, overkill, killing spree, killing frenzy, Kilimanjaro, kill tacular, kill apocalypse, slayer, mmm, brains. <laughs> Welcome one, welcome all to episode 152 of the Xbox Expansion Pass recorded on Sunday, November 6th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we examine the mountain of news from the past two weeks, including Xbox potentially raising the prices of their services in the future. Diablo 4 has a reported release date and Modern Warfare 2's quality is not to be debated. There are several Xbox milestones of late and we're going to explore them. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, there are several words of kindness to be doled out. First of all, I want to thank so many of you who reached out knowing that I was going through a really rough personal time this past two weeks and the loss of uh, someone close to me. And so that has been really amazing to have so many wonderful messages and those of you reaching out and excusing me from missing a week of XEP. Really appreciate that because sometimes as content creators, we put extra pressure on ourselves to... Uh, get something out there and simply put I wasn't in the right headspace and to be forgiven and have so many people just say hey it's cool don't worry about it was amazing uh, and then I was able to kind of ease my way back into content creation in a non-solo space I got to guest on the trophy room with with Joseph Moran which was absolutely amazing uh, and then I got to rejoin my cast co-op buddies after five weeks off from cast co-op it was great to be working with Ainsley once again uh, it was just it was really great to ease back in with people and have people be there for me to kind of help me guide a show as I, I find my feet once again. You know, sometimes you just don't feel it. And uh, I wasn't feeling it last week, and I really appreciated the forgiveness in that. I also had a ton of people reaching out, uh, talking to me about Gotham Knights and DMs, which was amazing. I, I'm so excited for the content I have planned for Gotham Knights because there was a lot of controversy around just what it meant uh, to be a Gotham Knights fan uh, with the very, very mixed reception in the critical reviews. But I've gotten so many messages from people just reaching out and saying how much they love the game, what they're enjoying about it, asking questions. I have at this point written a 2,500 word review that I'm looking to put into video form as kind of the first XEP video review. That's a new project I'm going to take on along with uh, YouTube Shorts. That's something I'm going to be working on over the next two weeks to kind of create another avenue of XEP delivery outside of just the main podcast. I had to wait till some things calmed down uh, in my professional life to kind of open this up in a new form of creativity, which is really exciting there. Uh, and then I want to give a shout out to Eric Jackson, who, knowing my love for Gotham Knights, uh, he secured me a copy of the Steelbook and is sending it my way, which should be here actually to today at the time of this recording. It'll arrive, which I'm really excited about because I got the collector's edition 
and it doesn't come with a steelbook, which is kind of a bummer. I love the statue and whatnot with it, but uh, I'm really excited to have that steelbook in my collection. Uh, It's kind of neat because I've redone my entire room with new display cases for all the various statues and collector uh, items from gaming. And I've kind of got this section where I'll have the Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, uh, Arkham Knight collector's editions. I still need to secure an Arkham Origins one. Uh, and then I've got the Gotham Knights one right there, and I have the Steelbook for that one, or I will have the Steelbook for that one right behind it. Uh, I've also got the God of War Collector's Edition coming in, which I'm super stoked about to have that next to that statue. It's been it's been a really cool, you know, outside of the loss element, I've really done a, uh, a lot of work in trying to retool presentation uh, and preparing for new kind of XCP avenues. So uh, shout out to all of you guys. I really, really appreciate it uh, for sure, for sure. And then uh, if you haven't checked out last two weeks ago episode episode 151 with victor lucas please do so it was really cool um and then hey real quick before one last bit of housekeeping uh herschel x shan and i josh you not you guys won the 20 dollars gift cards from episode 150 haven't hit me up yet or at least not that i saw uh, give me a shout i've got your codes ready for you and uh I, I would love to give you uh a thank you for reviewing xcp over on itunes and spotify you guys are awesome for that that means the absolute world so Let's take a break and get into some gaming news. Well, first up this week, the potential raising of prices on Xbox services. Phil Spencer was talking to the Wall Street Journal, specifically with Tom Warren, discussing uh, just what price increases might look like in the future. Uh, As a reminder, this conversation comes about given that Xbox has not raised the prices of their first party games from $60 to $70 uh, the way PlayStation has and many uh, third party AAA publishers have as well. They've not raised the prices there, and they are not raising prices on their hardware the way that PlayStation did in some markets. Uh, And that, of course, you know, when one competitor does one thing, the question becomes, you know, will the other competitor do something similar? And Xbox has stood fast on not doing that. In fact, they're eating the cost on Xbox Series S and X in a pretty substantial way to keep their prices low. Uh, doubly so for the Xbox Series S, which I thought was interesting. A lot of it has, has been talked about with that little box in the, in the last few weeks uh, with different you know Arkham developers coming out saying that the Xbox Series S was holding development back. And then meanwhile, it's the best-selling console out there doing some, some not the best-selling, I'm sorry, I should rephrase that, best-selling of the PlayStation and Xbox families uh, doing a fantastic job selling things, getting people into this current gen of gaming at an affordable price. The, the Black Friday bundles, I had a chance to preview some of those. They are incredible. And uh, there's a lot to be said positive about the Series S. So I'm really curious to see just what happens there. Uh, but we should talk about uh, a couple elements from this Wall Street Journal article. Again, he was talking with Tom Warren and he said, quote, For us, the business, we have to look at the return on our business, the cost of business. We've held price on consoles and held price on games and our subscription. I don't think we'll be able to do that forever. I do think at some point we'll have to raise some prices on certain things, but going into this holiday, we thought it was really important to maintain the prices that we have because consumers right now are more uncertain than they have been in a long time, end quote. I have uh, some mixed thoughts on this one, but it's important to note that Xbox Game Pass is between 10 to 15% of overall Xbox revenue. Pretty darn cool. It was reported last week or so that uh, there there's roughly $3 billion in revenue generated from Xbox Game Pass. Pretty impressive. Uh, but I'm, I'm fascinated by this comment of saying that he wants to stand price uh, 
this holiday because it's such an uncertain time for gamers. I, I don't really buy that as the reason. I think the reason that they need to stand hold or stand firm on their prices and hold steady where with where they are without raising prices of games, subscriptions, or hardware, whichever one it comes down to, probably subscriptions, is because they don't have any first-party content hitting in a AAA space in 2022, and it'd be pretty absurd to raise your prices when you're not delivering on the main element of gaming, which is games. Uh, of course, they've had expansions to Halo Infinite and to Forza Horizon 5. Uh, they've got Grounded that hit its 1.0 release with 13 million players. Pretty darn cool. Uh, and they are launching Pentiment in a few weeks, which is, is going to be a pretty small title, all things considered. None of those are the AAA drivers of a subscription model. This isn't Starfield. This isn't Redfall. This isn't Indiana Jones. It's not Hellblade Senua's. Uh, not Senua's Sacrifice, but but Hellblade 2, essentially. Uh, it's none of those things that's going to bring a new subscriber in and show that, hey, we're justifying the cost of a price increase. And uh, simply put, I think that's the real reason why they're not raising their prices. PlayStation can afford to raise their prices because they've got the last uh, they had the last of us that launched this year. They had Horizon uh, Forbidden West launch this year. Gran Turismo 7 launched this year. They've got God of War Ragnarok coming out this upcoming week. Uh, so there's a justification in saying, hey, you want a premium experience. You're going to pay for a premium experience. You don't want to pay for the premium experience. You're not going to get it. And I think that that makes perfect sense. But Xbox can't truly do that. Uh, that's not to say there's not an incredible amount of value in Xbox Game Pass. I mean, they've launched with a ton of day and date content this year. Not Scorn being a recent element of this. They've got uh, Atomic Heart that was just announced for next year. Uh, and it's rumored that Diablo 4 is going to be announced uh, sometime around the Game Awards to be coming in April, both Xbox era and Windows Central confirming with their own sources that that's going to be the case. Uh, it makes a lot of sense that Xbox has to hold on raising prices because they're set to have a pretty darn big 2023. Uh, there's just an it's just a strange conversation and then of course you've got the activision blizzard deal looming over everything uh and we'll talk about in just a moment uh, what what the loss of the, uh, embracer group's acquisition means for xbox studios that we're working on fable and the initiative the initiative's perfect dark so th there's a lot of elements to this that I think makes sense for why Xbox is not in a position to raise their prices, even if they wanted to, even if they perhaps should. I don't want to pay more. I don't want anyone to be able to pay more. I think the barrier for entry should be uh, low. And that's why we have so many free to play games. That's why the Xbox Series S exists. That's why cloud gaming exists so that you don't even need to have hardware to play games. And that brings people into the ecosystem. But in a world where you're not putting out triple A first-party content, it's hard to justify a subscription service that's based on day-and-date content. Again, Game Pass delivers on nearly every front sans first-party AAA content that's new, uh, and, and I'm a, a comfortable, happy, satisfied subscriber to it. But simply put, there's no justification for truly raising their prices. Now, to talk about that Activision Blizzard deal that continues to loom over all Xbox news of late... Uh, Phil Spencer was speaking on the same brain show to I, Justine, and he said uh, very clearly in, in more clear terms than we've heard in the past few months uh, that as long as there is a PlayStation out there to ship to, our intent is to continue to ship Call of Duty on PlayStation. Once again, reaffirming that they are not going to make Call of Duty 
an exclusive property. And I think it'd be a very foolish thing to do to make Call of Duty an exclusive property. Sure, getting into Game Pass would be a great thing, although I think there's a lot of deals in place to stop that from happening uh, that are previously, you know, in ink and that Xbox has said that they would honor as the legal stuff goes through. But uh, it doesn't make sense to limit Call of Duty, this this franchise that spans all of gaming and into the mobile space why would you limit that and they've shown and proven time and again that they're not going to limit that uh, especially when you look at you know properties like minecraft which they did not limit so there's a lot to be discussed about what xbox is doing with their future business model but i think if they can deliver on what 2022 should have been in 2023 with first party content redfall starfield uh they're then they're more likely to have a leg to stand on on the potential element of raising prices my suggestion to anyone that's on the fence uh, and i think a lot of people are going to be doing this is to stack game pass is to snag your hardware this holiday season if you are financially able to do so and i think you will be uh, more likely to get it this holiday than you were last holiday i think there's a lot of of possibility here that uh, units are going to become available as the chip shortages are more more readily handled. I won't say that they're stopping because they're certainly not stopping, but they're being managed in a better capacity. And so hardware is going to be much easier to access this holiday and it will likely be at a more affordable price than next year. So stack your Game Pass, stack your live gold if you're using that, perhaps transfer it over uh, and do it while it's as, as less convoluted as possible. While PlayStation struggles with their own uh, PlayStation Plus revenue loss uh, and their confusion in, in marketing. Take advantage of Xbox's clear marketing because when you're competing, that's where you get the best bang for your buck and you want Xbox to be in this position right now in order to make your dollar go the furthest. Now, I briefly mentioned Diablo a moment ago. It does look like we are going to be getting news for for pre-orders which are going live around the game awards 2022 that would make sense diablo is a pretty beloved franchise a lot of people very excited about it um i have a pretty passive interest in diablo at this moment but it's one of those games where i don't get stoked until it's close by and then i'm like yep all in i'm there for it Uh, and if it is coming out in april i think that's a perfect time for it you'll have a beta a few months prior to get some of the net code Uh, stuff worked out and then you're going to have a really big february and march for a lot of triple a games then you have that new window of games that that new time where people have kind of processed what's come out and i'm stoked for april and you know if diablo 4 launches in april and then that deal for exclusivity or not exclusivity i should say the activision blizzard deal overall goes through and what's expected to be june of 2023 uh, it's kind of a cool year for Xbox to have a couple wins back to back to back, given you know Redfall, Starfield, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, my hope is that this is indeed true. Of course, Xbox era and Windows Central both reporting it, uh, and they've got a, a solid though not perfect record of uh, leaks to con- confirmation uh, reporting. Uh, special Nick over at Xbox era, and then of course Jez Corden over at Windows Central. I, I think you got something to look forward to here if you're a Diablo fan, and, and I'm stoked for you. Uh, I'm rocking and rolling here because there was so much to talk about. A full-fledged Witcher remake is in the works, developed by Fool's Theory and headed by experienced developers who have worked on past Witcher games. This is really exciting. This is one of those projects that CD Projekt Red uh, shared. I can't remember if it's Orion or any of the other strangely titled ones, uh, but I'm stoked for it. I think The Witcher 1 is the right game to remake and bring into the modern era. Uh, we are set to get The Witcher 
uh, next gen, or I guess you would say a current gen upgrade before the end of the year, and that time is quickly approaching, that would mean that Witcher 3 would get an upscaled uh, version before December 31st. And I am all in for that, having recently come off Cyberpunk. And then prior to that, Elden Ring, and uh, I played a bit of Witcher 3 and then decided to wait for this next gen patch. I'm stoked. I'm really excited for the Witcher franchise. I know they just announced the loss of Henry Cavill uh, as he moves into other avenues, including Superman for WB and Liam Hemsworth is taking over. Uh, I really hate it for Liam Hemsworth because there's no way he's going to get a win, no matter how well he does in that role, because so many people believe that Geralt and Henry Cavill are hand in hand. Uh, And there was a lot of writing on the wall, by the way, for Cavill to be leaving, not just in the Superman element, but he was conflicting with a lot of the the script writers for The Witcher at Netflix because he is so adamant that they stay true to the books. I feel very bad for people, by the way, and this is a sidebar into the entertainment industry. I feel really bad for people that are really upset about Henry Cavill leaving The Witcher because Cavill is an incredible Geralt. And when you have an actor that inhabits a role that you identify them with synonymously, it's really hard to see them vacated. I, I say this directly related to Henry Cavill. He is my Superman, despite growing up on Christopher Reeves, loving Brendan Routh, loving the animated versions. Cavill is my Superman. To me, he is the embodiment of what I expect Superman to be uh, in, you know, Man of Steel, in BVS Ultimate Edition, in Zack Snyder's Justice League. He's my Superman. And to see him come back to the role, I'm ecstatic. Uh, but the loss for Witcher fans, I think, is really painful. And, and I'm I'm sorry for you because when I was when I lost Cavill in that Superman role, it hurt too. And so uh, I hate that for you guys. I, I'm I'm looking forward to Witcher season three for sure. Uh, and perhaps a morbid curiosity at season four, but there's a lot of exciting stuff happening around the Witcher as an entertainment franchise. And I think, I think given the way that CD project red has bounced back from their handling of cyberpunk, the lessons learned, the potential next gen update or current gen update for the Witcher three, the possibility of this good remake and the stuff they have planned for the future there's a lot of joy to be had in that franchise. And again, I say read the books. Um, I've been trying to get through one of them for a while. They're different, but they're not bad at all. They're very well written. So Uh, should also celebrate, you know, we're talking about this 2023 era for Xbox that is potentially just going to deliver on several fronts. Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition is getting its console release. Super excited for that one. And Age of Empires 4 will be coming to consoles later in 2023 as well. That means you would get Age of Empires, you would get uh, Atomic Heart, Day and Date, Starfield, Redfall, potentially, and likely Hellblade, uh, perhaps Avowed, though I don't think Avowed at this point. I, I keep flip-flopping on that one. A lot of stuff for 2023 and Xbox era, and Lord knows Xbox fans are deserving of it at this point, uh, for sure. Now, another huge, huge story that has cropped up that I, I'm a little flabbergasted at in some ways is Embracer Group and acquiring three studios and then several things happening to those studios. Mind you, uh, Embracer Group acquired Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal for $300 million, uh, earlier this year. Now, Square Enix Montreal was renamed to Anoma, and that is reportedly being shut down. This is pretty darn wild, all things considered. Eidos Montreal is reportedly assisting Xbox and Playground Games with the upcoming Fable title. 
This is wild to me to find out that Fable has a support group, a support studio, the caliber of Eidos Montreal. Meanwhile, Crystal Dynamics is supporting the initiative on Perfect Dark. This to me suggests that at one point, both Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal, and perhaps even the whole Western branch of Square Enix, was set to be acquired by Xbox and kind of building those relationships as a precursor. And I'm curious to know, uh, though we perhaps never will, if that was the plan, but it was put on hold for the Activision Blizzard deal. To my way of thinking, there's a lot of value to be had in the IP and the studio of talent that comes from Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix Montreal. I'm sorry, and uh, Eidos Montreal. Uh, it, it's pretty darn wild to consider. Consider also that uh, Square Enix IP includes Tomb Raider and Legacy of Cain. That's a that's a pretty heavy deal, particularly when you know the talent that worked on Tomb Raider could potentially have been helping with uh, or consulting with Indiana Jones. There's a lot to be had there. Uh, I'm still stuck on this idea that Square Enix Montreal was rebranded as Anoma, uh, with 1,100 developers being acquired, and some of them are now going to be losing their jobs. That's a pretty wild thing to have. Uh, and Jason Trier kind of commented on this specifically about Eidos Montreal saying that Eidos Montreal is going to remain intact, but it's been it's canceled a Stranger Things-inspired uh, game. And the studio was working on a recently re-scoped title in the AAA caliber that was a new IP. They also had a Deus Ex game in very, very early development. That probably just means like, you know, looking at, I guess you would say, like, like potential avenues and ways to play a new Deus Ex game. Uh, but they've been working uh, a lot with co-dev partnerships for Xbox titles, including Fable, not limited to Fable. The, again, I really feel like Eidos Montreal and, and that Western branch of Square Enix was likely set to be acquired and joined up with Xbox and Embracer Group swooped in. I know some people are suggesting that Embracer Group swooped in specifically so they could resell it back to Xbox. I don't know. Maybe. Don't really care, to be honest with you. I'm curious to know why first-party AAA talent at Xbox is having to co-develop with studios outside of their purview, outside of this, uh, outside of their own talent window. Is that a new strategy for them, or is something truly wrong? Again, proof is in the pudding. We talked earlier in the show about, well, is Xbox delivering on their AAA promise? No, not at all. And if they're not delivering, why are they having to go to other studios to deliver? Or it's nothing as cynical as that. Or it's simply a new strategy for them, and that's something they want to do. And I don't know how anyone can be upset with the idea that Eidos Montreal might be helping with Fable. They're the ones that produce the, the highly critically reviewed, and I think in my own view, my mind, uh, when I reviewed it, I undervalued it, Guardians of the Galaxy. Great game there, right? Uh, and it's just, it's so, so strange to see what's been going on there. Nonetheless, I'm fascinated by this story, interested in this story, and hopeful that uh, whatever does come of this this new deal, that the talent is reacquired in the right ways and hopefully picked up by Microsoft in order to continue working on their projects, whether it's through the Square Enix Eidos branding or in the actual you know playground Western branch if they decide to create one. Somehow, some way, I want these developers to be able to continue their work. That's my hope. I hope that's a lot to follow uh, for sure. But uh, interesting nonetheless, and this story is definitely going to be unfolding over the next few weeks.
Well, guys, in the last two weeks, I've been playing quite a few video games. I've talked a lot about Gotham Knights uh, and, and working on my first kind of video review or publishing my, my 2,500 word review uh, somewhere, probably on Season Gaming uh, as a compliment to their already established review. Definitely going to do more of that, but I want to take a moment and talk about Ghostbusters and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, Anubis wrote in asking my opinions on the Ghostbusters game. He says he feels like it was great, but it got repetitive, especially now that spooky season is over. He thinks the game is going to die. He does think a prop hunt game mode could save them, uh, especially, or he actually wanted to add a stipulation that a prop hunt alone won't save them. They need to be on Game Pass, so the barrier for entry is lower. Uh, let's talk about Ghostbusters. I think Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed is a really great video game. I think uh, Ilphonic did a wonderful job with them. I've been working to try and get Ilphonic on the show. Uh, their schedule is consistently conflicted with mine, and that has kind of kept them from coming on, which is a bummer. But I really think the Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed title is a great value for, uh, proposition if you've got a couple buddies to play. It's 30 40 bucks depending on a sale. You can jump in, be a Ghostbusters. There's a lot of love and care into the story of that game, uh, into the gameplay of that game. It's quite literally a Ghostbusters simulator that is comedic, cartoonish, and just enough uh, realism to be believable as a, you know, a, a canon Ghostbusters series. If you've watched the Ghostbusters movies, whether it's the first two, the... Uh, the, the kind of reboot one that was done with uh, Kate McKinnon or the more recently released one that kind of acted as a spiritual successor to the first two. Uh, I think you're going to find a lot to love here in this Ghostbusters title. It oozes personality and love for the franchise. I think that game is an absolute blast to play. Uh, I love playing it with my buddies. I, I, I look forward to when Kev or, or Suddy or Charles or Joe says, hey, let's let's bust some ghosts because it's just a nice chill out time being in the ghost is an absolute blast which i wasn't expecting i mean this is a this is kind of in the element of, of turtle rock style games where you know it's a 4v1 if you play the predator if you played evolve if you played uh, any other number of games where one person's the monster as it were and the other four are hunting them down this seems to be just the right balance of silly and fun with low stakes uh hauntings I love this game, and I would encourage everybody to get it. I think Anubis is correct that the game would flourish should it be on Game Pass, and I hope it does come to Game Pass. I don't know just how well the the economy is set up in that game for sustained support, but my suggestion is, regardless of spooky season or not, you guys go and check this one out. To me, it's a must-play for a Ghostbusters fan, uh, and a definitely pick it up if it's on sale title. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Separate from that, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 impressions. I'm about halfway through the campaign, and I've played a good amount of multiplayer, though more to be had. Guys, this is a great video game. I saw some outlets reviewing COD uh, in the lower category, specifically when it came to uh, the campaign. I think this is one of the best, if not the best, campaigns Call of Duty has ever produced. It's absolutely fantastic, and I strongly suggest everybody that has a passive interest in Call of Duty, check this one out. The multiplayer is absolutely stunningly fantastic uh, it's more balanced than i've ever seen a cod there's still some you know elements of tomfoolery with shotguns and sniper rifles but that's a cod staple at this point you kind of know what you're getting the gunsmith uh, customizations are bar none the best we've seen in the series the time to kill uh, is fair and balanced i like this game far more than i did uh, call of duty Co block ops cold war to me this is the best version of modern warfare we've had 
ever. And that includes my love for the first three games. Strongly recommend you guys jump in on this one. The graphics are in- impressive. The gunplay feels fantastic. I'm in on this one. And mind you, I used to be extremely good at Call of Duty. And now I am not. My KD is is barely above 1.0 if it is. And I don't know right now. Uh, because as I've begun to explore guns, I've been getting better. But I'm older now. I'm not as good. I don't invest the same amount of time and I'm still having fun. They've done a lot of things to kill and score streaks to make it more accessible. A lot of different guns for you to explore progression systems that are a bit convoluted when you begin them. But uh, I'll tell you what, guys, this this is a must buy for me. I I say uh, if you see Modern Warfare 2, if you have an interest in it, be it single player or multiplayer, give it a go. There's a lot of gameplay elements in the multiplayer in the co-op space with Spec Ops and with the single player. I love this one. I think this one's special, uh, and I strongly recommend you check out both this and the 2018 Modern Warfare reboot. Well, let's get to some listener mail, guys. Quite a few of you writing in this week. Let's first get to my buddy Ainsley Bowden, who uh, is my cast co-op partner. He's the head of Season Gaming. He said he'd add one this week, brother. Do you think Xbox's continued lack of VR is a mistake or at least a customer miss? Before I answer with my thoughts, Todd Oxtras kind of sounded off on this one. He said... I'd love to see Xbox partner with Quest and utilize AirLink features similar to what is on PC to leverage the power of the Series S and X to make the experience better. Quest games on Game Pass would be awesome. Well, to answer Ainsley's question, I do think it's a bit of a miss should they not have a VR option by 2024. I don't think there's a a problem with them not having VR at this point because right now their focus should be on AAA experiences that they've not provided to their customers and fans short of Halo Infinite and Forza Horizon 5. Uh, There's really lacking in that category. They've got smaller titles like Pentiment coming out. They they really pushed As Dusk Falls for baffling reasons. Uh, But I very much think that their focus should be on delivering AAA titles and then they can explore the VR space on a, on a first party level. But I think Todd is absolutely right. I do not think Xbox should be exploring their own hardware, but rather partnering with existing hardware. Really hard to say that they should be partnering with anything related to Zuckerberg's meta universe. Uh, I think Phil Spencer has been openly and rightfully critical of that, calling it a bad video game. It really does look like a connect mess of a thing. Uh, but the potential for all VR is there. I'm rather impressed with PlayStation VR 2. I think despite its very high price point, uh, there's a lot of value for the technology you're getting in that, and they've got a good slew of games coming. Um, If I was a PlayStation fan and I had the extra income to do it, I absolutely would be in on PSVR 2. I think it's too expensive for a console market at this point for the experiences offered, but it has me interested. But I do kind of want it on the Xbox side. If there were achievements to be had and putting on of the Master Chief visor and the ability to jump into the world of Gears of War or drive a car in in Horizon and those were VR experiences offered by Xbox, yes, I would be in, no doubt about it. It's just not my ecosystem for PSVR 2. I think as VR becomes more available, the right thing to do for Xbox is to create these VR experiences partnered with other manufacturers of hardware. Uh, it's a pretty expensive space to enter into on a hardware side. And given Xbox's propensity propensity to play anywhere via the cloud, via PC, via console, that would be the right fit for their brand. It would be very off-brand for Microsoft to say, yes, we do have VR just like PlayStation does, but you can only play it on our thing. Uh, all our other stuff, yeah, you can play it anywhere, but not 
in VR. That would be very off-brand for them. So my hope is that they do explore the VR space in 2024 once they've got their first-party content delivery kind of cadence set up and it's partnered with other manufacturers. I think that'll drive competitors, that'll push prices down, uh, and bring us the best experiences going forward. Now, Matt Reed wrote in, he said, what upcoming games in late 2022 and early 2023 should we uh, should we have an eye on? Maybe something that someone might not have uh, on their radar at this moment. Well, Matt, I mean, I think a lot of people have eyes on Callisto Protocol. I think that's a big one for early uh, December. I think a lot of people are really excited for just what Glenn Schofield and the Callisto Protocol team have done. I mean, they were so steadfast in their vision that they are no longer releasing that game in Japan because the game has dismemberment and they think it's a crucial part of their gameplay. Japan doesn't allow that. And they were like, nah, we're just not going to release in Japan. I think that shows a lot of creative integrity. And I'm really looking forward to what Callisto Protocol brings. Uh, for sure, Matt, if you've not checked out the Resident Evil Village game in general, definitely check that one out. It's a great, great third person, uh, sorry, first person horror game. And they've added a third person mode with this recent expansion. I just played through it for spooky season, Shadows of Rose, and I liked it a lot. Uh, I think there's a lot that's in Resident Evil Village that is uh, worth replaying if you've missed it. And their recent expansion is something to put your eyes onto. Uh, the survivor horror genre is just getting a lot of love between the new Resident Evil stuff that's coming, Resident Evil 4 remake, uh, the Village expansion, uh, Callisto Protocol, Dead Space is getting its remake. There's a lot of survival horror to be had for sure. Atomic Heart was recently announced for Game Pass day and date. That's really exciting. And I, I'm looking forward to that. We mentioned Diablo 4. Uh, th there's just... There's a lot to look forward to. And if you have a PlayStation 5 uh, or PlayStation 4, guys, you should absolutely be checking out God of War Ragnarok. I'm really excited for that one. Xbox or not, great games are meant to be enjoyed by everybody. Uh, and I really hope that those of you that are, are parts of the PlayStation ecosystem give this one a go for sure. For sure. I'm also stoked that Vampire Survivors is coming to Game Pass, Matt. So it, that looks to be a really addictive, simple game that a lot of people are looking forward to. Uh, I'm stoked for this one to come to Game Pass. I wish it wasn't coming in the same week. Uh, I have a morbid curiosity, Matt, also for Sonic Frontiers. I did not get a code for that one, but I'm curious if it's any good. But I'll be honest, I have that that curiosity a lot, right? Like, I, is the next Sonic game going to be good? I don't know. My birthday's coming up this month. Maybe I'll maybe I'll throw that on the birthday list and request a copy of Sonic Frontiers from a mom or something like that. I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, next question comes from Fenrir. He says, lots of conversation lately about the Indiana Jones game. Should we fear it being a possible movie tie-in game? What hopes do you have with it? Oh, Fenrir, uh, I have zero hopes with Indiana Jones uh, because I think that's the best way to go about it. We know Machine Games is working on it, and that's all we know, right? No, it's not Machine Games. Is it Machine Games? It's Bethesda, but is it Machine? I think it's Machine. Uh, however, no strong hopes at this moment but a morbid curiosity about it. Not knowing much about what's going on with it, I think we have a lot to look forward to uh, in the quality of it, but I want this game to come out when it's ready, and I think we would have heard more if it was a 2023 game. There has been no Xbox showcase in recent months, uh, and the only possibility of hearing about it at a showcase is likely going to be the Game Awards, unless they bring back Inside Xbox, which, quick aside, if they bring back Inside Xbox, please don't make it live. Make it a pre-produced show. Have that quality so solid messaging there the live shows are a thing of the past they feel dated and they feel awkward uh so despite when they're good or when they're bad i think it's better to be a pre-produced show um 
I don't think you should fear being a movie tie-in. Movie tie-in doesn't dictate it's going to be good or bad. Uh, I just hope that it's a quality title. All right, let's go with one more question here. Todd Oxtra, how many first-party games do you expect to actually be released before E3 2023? Uh, that will be 12 months since the Xbox showcase, and they promised all the games would be out in the next 12 months. Uh, Todd, I mean, I think you're going to get Redfall. I don't think Starfield is happening until uh, mid to late 2023. I think you're going to get one more AAA-level experience, and that's about it. Uh, a lot of other double or single A stuff, similar kind of on the scale to Pentiment. But uh, I don't really have a good ant Three? Three? I mean, it depends on where Avowed is. It depends on where uh, Hellblade th- 2 is. I'm, I'm curious that one. State of Decay does not look like it's happening anytime soon. I don't know, man. I really don't know. I think all eyes are on Redfall and Starfield, and those aren't really my kind of games, right? I'm really more looking at, you know, what's happening with Halo Infinite. Are we getting an expansion? I know Ray Tracing's coming in Season 3. The Winter Update uh, is soon, but, like, I want story. So I don't know, man. I really don't know. All right. That's going to be it for me with this week, guys. Thank you for all of you that reached out. I appreciate you. There are interviews coming up in the next few episodes. Uh, Previous or announced by the time of this recording is an interview with Colin Moriarty of Last Stand Media. That interview is specifically focused on just what they're doing at Lilimo Games. That's his uh, the the studio that he co-founded. They made Habroxia and Habroxia 2, which I've just I love Habroxia's one and two. Those are great shmup games, and I'm anxious to check out Super Perils of Baking. So uh, Colin Moriarty is going to be one to come on the XTP. We've already got a, a date set for it. Uh, really looking forward to that conversation. Of course, I think a lot of people have thoughts on Colin, but I've really respected the effort he's done in the game publishing side and with the way he's been handling stuff. Uh, so for sure, looking forward to that one. All right, guys, uh, more in the future, but nothing publicly announced at this point. Uh, keep an eye on XCP's YouTube channel because I am looking to try to create something in the in the review space, but I'm not a producer by nature. So this is going to be all new stuff for me to learn. All right, that's it for me, guys. Take care. Have a wonderful rest of your week.